Welcome in everyone to the Talking Tide podcast and a happy Thanksgiving to all of our listeners. Travis Ryer, the senior analyst at BamaOnline.com and myself, Chase Goodbread, sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa News, previewing the Iron Bowl over the next half hour or so. Looking forward to doing it. Of course, the Talking Tide podcast available to you wherever you prefer to get your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. And you can catch us live on Facebook, live on YouTube as well. Uh, Twitter feed, of course, is talking to underscore Tide. You can get instant links to all of our podcasts right there with an easy Twitter follow. Thanking a couple sponsors real quick, North River Dental Associates, Peter Burke Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa, and DraftKings. More on them later in the program. Travis Iron Bowl is upon us. Alabama playing at home in this one, coming in 9-2, and 5-2 and two SEC play Auburn five and six, two and five in the league, but an uptick lately, certainly for the Tigers uh, since the uh, switch of head coaches and the insertion of former Tigers running back Carnell Williams into the interim head coaching role. Some juice in that program for sure uh, over these last couple of weeks. And uh, it's going to be another exciting Iron Bowl, despite the fact that uh, uh, conference and championship stakes really aren't there. No, they're not. And Vegas, I guess, Alabama, 21, 22-point favorite? Too many. Again, yeah, I again. Think it is too. we've been talking about this for a month. It's been I mean, too it's, many for six weeks now or so. You know, it got, seems like I, at least a I'll month. I'll be the first yeah. to admit, uh, by the way, that, that to try this for your tout services in Vegas. <laughs> uh, the, 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 good, the good spread pick of the week, Travis. Now, uh, and two on here going for 11 and two. And I got to be honest, I've leaned on the Alabama opponent. Probably, probably three, four times here over the last five yeah. or six weeks. It's it's been too easy, and it seems uh, easy to lean on Auburn. And you said it. Look, Auburn in a nice stretch here. Now the schedule has eased up for the Auburn Tigers too. I mean, we're talking about a stretch of Mississippi State, Texas A and M. That's an absolute. A dumpster fire right now. And then a really good group of five team in Western Kentucky. I wouldn't totally discount the Tigers win last Saturday over the Hilltoppers, but no, it's a Auburn team. Definitely with a lot of energy now with Cadillac in that position, seems like they have a very good understanding of who they are on offense, which is who they probably should have been all along under Brian Harson with those two running backs and a quarterback in Robbie Ashford, who is more effective with his legs than he is his arm. So I don't know if the rosters are even close. Uh, I know that guys like Derek Hall, though, um, guys like uh, Colby Wooden, uh, guys like Tank Bigsby, uh, they're more than capable of making this game interesting. It's just going to be can the guys around them help them enough to keep Auburn competitive. Yeah, let's stay right there with the with the Auburn running game because Alabama's run defense, as, as we've noted, Travis, has been off this year, frankly, uh, certainly in both of their losses. Uh, gave up close to 200 yards against Ole Miss as well. I realize they won that one. Uh, but, yeah, when, when you factor Bigsby between the tackles and then you throw in what Ashford can do, uh, it, it's, a, it's a double task, really, for that front seven. You got to deal with Bigsby inside. You got to contain Ashford on the pull with the zone read stuff. And obviously, he's a he's a big scramble threat when he drops back to pass. Uh, Alabama's run defense is going to be tested in, in in a big way in this one. 
Yeah, and they answered the bell last year in this game. You know, they held Tank Bigsby to 63 yards on 29 carries. Now, with T.J. Finley in there, you didn't have to account for the quarterback at all, really, in the run game. So that's where it's very much a different kind of challenge this time around with Ashford. And don't forget about Jarquez Hunter either. Uh, He's a guy that's rushed for around 280 yards in the last three games. So when you add it up between Bigsby and Hunter – just at the running back position since Cadillac took over, you're talking about an average of about 200 yards per game from those two guys. And, you know, Ashford had a 100-yard game against Mississippi State himself three games ago. So uh, that's where the game starts for Alabama. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And so from the Alabama defensive perspective, Chase, it's interesting. Do they come out and more base? Because Auburn will go with a lot of 12 personnel with two tight ends. You do that, you don't have Brian Branch on the field. Now, what we saw with Alabama in this game a year ago against a Brian Harson offense was that they went with the big nickel, which put Brian Branch on the field. And I got to think that's probably going to be a similar approach that they take this time around, maybe a little heavier in their front. Uh, but I got to think they want to keep Brian Branch on the field if they can. You know, he's one of their better tacklers, frankly. And, yeah. and uh, if you just look at it from that standpoint and, you know, he he can get around blocks. Uh, he, he's not going to be accounted for with, with the front five, obviously, on, on downs. And so, yeah, I agree. I, I, I think maybe you adjust the the nickel to, to stop the run a little better without taking Branch off the field, as, as you suggested. Um because especially when when you're talking about Ashford, Ashford getting out on the perimeter, that's where you're going to need Brian Branch the most. So um, I, I agree with you. I, I think you got to I think you got to stay uh, in in that nickel and and maybe beef it up on the line a little bit. Whatever you've got to do. A quick injury update, Travis. Uh, this coming straight from Nick Saban just uh, a couple hours before we've recorded uh, the podcast here. Left tackle Tyler Steen has been practicing this week. Uh, that's big for Alabama because uh, that matchup with Derek Hall, who was so dominant last year in the Iron Bowl, uh, could be crucial. And I'm sure Hall will you know, maybe see some action on both offensive tackles. But Tyler Steen being ready to go, that's big for Alabama. Also, Eli Ricks, Jameer Gibbs, Cam Latou, uh, none of whom saw action against Austin P. Uh, those guys uh, ready to go and have been practicing as well. Yeah, I think that's big in every facet because the run game can certainly use Jameer Gibbs. The offense in general can use Jameer Gibbs because if they're not effective running it consistently on Saturday, at least you know you can throw it to Jameer Gibbs as well. Tyler Steen, you pretty much hit on it with Derek Hall and Colby Wooden on those edges uh, for the Auburn defense and um, Eli Ricks too. Uh, to go along with Cam Latou, because Latou becomes an important part of the passing game, even more so this year without the consistency on the outside that you would like to see. Uh, He is important, uh, not only as a blocker, but also in the passing game. And then Ricks, is it Ricks if he's good to go at the corner opposite McKinstry? Is it Terry and Arnold? You know, I would think they would love to be able to man up these Auburn receivers on the outside and maybe get DeMarco Helms or a safety uh, involved in that run game as well. Uh, You know, we'll see, but uh, definitely a good thing to hear that at least it sounds like those guys are going to be pretty much good to go. We know it won't be Kyrie Jackson. 
No, <laughs> it will not. transfer portal. Yeah, news of uh, Kyrie Jackson, the reserve cornerback off to the portal. Nick Saban uh, mentioned the other day that he's been suspended, hadn't played since the LSU game on November 5th, and uh, announced via Twitter that he is headed for the portal. The portal window, Travis, I'm just making a deduction here, but deductive logic, I think they call it in academia. But the portal window doesn't open till December 5th, and there's only a couple of loopholes in the NCAA law, uh, rule that allows guys to get in the transfer portal before December 5th, one being a grad transfer. Kyrie Jackson said in his tweet today, I'm no grad transfer. Another is a head coaching change. Well, that hadn't happened either. And I believe the only other pot, the only other loophole uh, is a reduction or a non-renewal of aid. Uh, so if that's deductive reasoning, would suggest that that Kyrie Jackson had been told uh, that this is this is it for you, even though Saban didn't make that public. Yeah, and we've heard from Nick Saban in the past, right? A lot of these suspensions, it's like there's guys from the 2009 team that are still suspended, right? We never heard anything else about their situation. They kind of just Right. faded this right year. the last yeah. thing we heard was that well they're indefinitely suspended well 13 years later some of these guys <laughs> yeah. i mean not to make light of someone's situation but that's yeah I, I don't think you're probably off on that or very far off on it and you know some of these guys like to put it out there even if they're not technically in the portal i think that i'm going there to kind of right. let other places know via social media sure and then those back channels if they already aren't already humming you know you can hear them humming yeah uh, very much so south Sussury in charge of that portal for nick saban on that yeah. support staff you wonder how things are going for him on, on that front but uh uh, it's a new frontier, Travis, and and uh, I envision Sal Sanceri monitoring that transfer portal like Sill monitoring the Bada Bing in Sopranos. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, oh there's people that are always they've got analysts and stuff too. It, it's not just Sal, I'm sure, monitoring it by himself. But yeah, um, that you have to have someone that heads up literally a division of that now, right? Yeah, yeah, no doubt. It's crazy. Two windows just to uh, uh, drop uh, how that works on on the listenership, Travis. Two windows now from the NCAA. I think they came out with this rule earlier this year. They had uh, first, to. The, yeah, yeah, they did. The first window is six weeks long, December 5th until I think January 18th, uh, which coincidentally is is like the day after the deadline for underclassmen to, under, to, to, underclassmen to, to declare for the draft. And then the second window for getting into the portal, uh, the last half of April, 15th to the 30th, which, of course, uh, is is uh, a way for guys to see how things look post-spring practice, Travis, and then make a decision uh, after that. Yeah, the one coming up, of course, you just got early National Signing Day in the middle of all that, too. So you just talk about craziness, man. Between now and the uh, – until Christmas Day, really, uh, boy, you you look at the the roster movement and player movement in college football, uh, and you're right. That's just the first first sort of wave of it. Reminds me of that scene in Pony Excess when all the players are hanging around outside of the building and they've been told they can transfer mm. freely, and all these college football yeah. coaches yeah. descended on Dallas, and uh, we're 
picking at the carcass, as it were, Travis. Yeah, there were more 280Zs <laughs> in the SMU football parking lot than at a dealership, they said on that. That, that day Richard <laughs> said, I'm going to play in the NFL one day, but I won't get there sitting on my butt here in Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> it's been yeah. real. <laughs> and I'm keeping the 280Z. <laughs> Uh, greatest sports documentary ever. Easy, best 30 for 30 ever. No doubt. uh, Pony excess. Yeah. Cannot beat it. All right, Travis, the Alabama offense, we'll flip to that here really quickly. I think, you know, I I like Alabama to win the game. I do think it'll be a lot closer than the spread. Uh, But the main reason I like Alabama is because there's such a gap, Pat, in terms of passing acumen here i mean i mean bryce young versus robbie ashford as throwers there's no comparison and 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 especially in today's game you you, you just you, how can you not like alabama especially at home and with the bryce young v ashford factor uh i i i can't get around that i think auburn goes into the game with the the understanding that a it has to run the ball especially well, not just good. I think Auburn has to run the hell out of it Saturday. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, uh, you can't let Bryce Young beat you. Now, look, you still have to deal with the Alabama run game. And I'm not a believer even after the 260 plus against Austin P. I think Alabama's run game still is what we had seen in the previous three or four games when they really struggled to produce anything of substance in that area. So I, I see a game where for Alabama, it's about slowing down tank Bigsby, Jarquez Hunter and Robbie Ashford on the ground and, and then trying to establish something with Jace McClellan and uh, Jameer Gibbs and try not to put too much on Bryce, but who are we kidding? Right. The expectation going into the game is that a lot is going to be on Bryce once again, Saturday. No doubt, and and turnovers obviously a big factor as well. That's an area that Alabama's defense has struggled in all year in terms of forcing them. They did get three against Austin P. Uh, Hunter you know, Henry Toa Toa came into the press conference room after the Austin P. game and said three is our goal per game. We got three. Obviously, uh, Austin P. was no LSU or or Tennessee, uh, but. It's going to be big for Alabama to not fall on the wrong side of that ratio, Travis, for sure, because they've that's the way it's happened in some games. You look back at Texas A&M, for instance, and, and, and you can see what a dogfight a couple of turnovers can put you in. Especially the kind that put Auburn on a short field. You know, punting, yeah. as we've heard, Nick Saban, any possession that ends with a kick isn't a bad possession necessarily, and I think that's especially true in a game like this. I mean, Alabama punted seven times against Auburn last season and, you know, still was able to hold the Tigers to 10 points in regulation. So again, you're right. It it, turnovers, take care of the football, do not set up Auburn on short fields. And, um, you know, kicks aren't the worst thing, especially if you're kicking field goals with Will Riker. This is a game. I think if you score, if you're Alabama and you score 17 or more, you should win the game. That, that, yeah. That's what I think. Alabama, again, a 21-point favorite. An, inter- an interesting thing about that that 21-point spread, Travis, as well. You know, for big games like Alabama-Auburn, you know, maybe a Michigan-Ohio State or, or some of these really huge matchups, these, these online sports books 
like to come out with a, a line before the previous week's games have been played. So uh, the boys were out of the gate on the Iron Bowl like two two days before Austin P. If I'm not mistaken, Travis, the, the, they came out of the gate at Alabama laying 26. Yeah, and then and then after the events of the weekend, uh, we find out that they find out they're maybe a little out over their skis, <laughs> and, and it's, but because everyone else is coming in at twenty one after that after that yeah. weekend action, you know? yeah, <laughs> that you know, and, and like we've talked about, twenty one just really seems high. I, I mean, I can envision a rock fight once again, just like last year. Yeah, uh, at Auburn, I, I think Alabama in in regulation time should score more. But hell, you know, and I understand you, you lost Jamison Williams what early second quarter in the game last year. That was a big blow to the offense. You're pretty much looking at John Mechie and the rest of that rotation. Jacory Brooks came up big, uh, but maybe Jermaine Burton here in the last couple of weeks is starting to look more like the guy we thought he would be throughout the season and. Now, that would be big if they could get that from him to go along with Brooks and what he's been over the last month or so. And, um, you know, with Gibbs back and the different things that you can do with him, uh, they're going to need that versatility on the offensive side. And, you know, they're going to need Bill O'Brien, whatever he's got left. If this is it for Bill O'Brien, you know, this yeah. we talked about players whose game this might be their last one for. This mm-hmm. might be Bill O'Brien's last game. If he gets a head coaching job, yeah. Is he going to hang around for the bowl game? I mean, it, it's yeah. not a playoff scenario. Um, whatever you got left in that bag, Bill, maybe try to uh, wield it on Saturday at Bryant Denny Stadium. Back of the playbook, right? Yeah, yeah it's, something. Uh, All I want is an end around. One end around is a parting <laughs> gift from Bill O'Brien. That's it. It doesn't even have to be a double handoff or reverse or anything like that. I just yeah. want a, a, a fake into the gut of Jameer Gibbs or Jace McClellan and a little give with a lineman or a tight end or both out in front coming the right. other way, you know? That old Redskins. Remember the Redskins back in the uh, Joe Gibbs day? I'm, I'm really dating my old ass now. But back in the day, they'd run John Riggins. They'd run those backs. They'd run them, run them, run them behind those hogs. And then they'd run that little end around coming the other way. Ricky Sanders yeah. or something like that. Yeah. yeah, one of those little wide receivers that they had. And they'd pop it. And that, that's yeah. how they'd slow people down. I mean, it's a play that's been around as long as the as long as the game's been around. But that's all we, I that's all I want Saturday. You know, that there's definitely we've not seen much trickery at all from the Alabama That's not even trickery. That's time. the point. That's that's just basic football, you know? Right. I'm not right. asking for a triple pass or anything <laughs> like am. that. I am. I am. <laughs> Look, yeah. Good bread we, wants a flea flicker. <laughs> my favorite. You know what? My favorite. We've seen a flea flicker. We've seen that in this series. I think uh, I think AJ years ago yes. hit Kenny Bell, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe in 2000, 2000 and, well, maybe, I don't know. Maybe I've got it mixed up there. Maybe 2011, I think it was. Yeah, it wasn't the 13 game. It was 11. I think, I think he hit Kenny Bell. 13. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, my favorite trick play, and we've gotten off the path, but that's okay. We can do that here. <laughs> my favorite trick play of all time is the hook and ladder. I love the hook and ladder. Oh, you, you, you Miami, Miami Dolphins in that playoff game against the 
then yeah. San Diego Chargers. You yes. never see that anymore. Tony it's Nathan, gone. the former Alabama running back, took that yeah. pitch on that hook and ladder. Don Strock in there at quarterback for the Dolphins on that one. I can tell you the last time I saw Alabama run the hook and ladder. I wonder if uh, I wonder if you can think of one more recently. Huh. The last time I remember Alabama running the hook and ladder, they ran it. Uh, th- this would have been either 2000 or 2001. I think it was a Franchoni team. They ran it uh, at the end of a loss to UCLA where they were down by less than a touchdown. And it was desperation time, you know, just a couple seconds left on the clock. They're down on the ball. They got the ball on their own end. And they ran a hook and ladder, and I can't remember who the pitch man was or any of that. But they ran it. They got about 60, 70 yards out of it and got shoved out of bounds or something inside the 10 game over. Um, I, I, uh, I ought to go back and see if I can you, find You've got me game. beat. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. yeah. Fun play. Fun play. Yeah, something. Have some fun. Have some fun Saturday, right? All right I think it's going to uh, be a grind, though, man. I just think it's going to be a grind. Yeah. It's going to be another, you know, that Alabama could come out and go 80 yards and seven plays, seven nothing, and it'd be sitting on seven nothing with six minutes left in the third quarter or seven three or something like yeah. that. I don't think that's what will happen. I just won't be surprised, though. No. I refuse no. to be surprised at this point, Good Red. Too many tight ones. And yeah. They could be staring at another tight one. Yeah. We, we They'd love to uh, drag these teams uh, into the second half. We, yeah. We shall see. All right. The uh, um, Jack Cohen. And we'll pop a comment in here related to uh, the topic at hand. <laughs> one of our, Jack. Does, does Jack Joe Straw Bryan from Wichita. Figure is. Yeah. 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 <laughs> You know, so, we know Nick doesn't mind them too much because we've seen them run the flea flicker multiple times. Um, right. Now, look, I don't know. It, I know that what was uh, Bryce was asked earlier in the week how he's doing physically, right? And he said he was yeah. good. Do you think Bryce Young is 100% right now? Because, I mean, we don't look. even see this offense trying to go over the top, good bread. It doesn't seem like yeah, in recent I, weeks. He tried to against Austin P. That deep ball was short. Ja'Cory went up early, couldn't come down with a 50-50. But I mean, we just haven't seen much of that at all. He his his to me, he looked his best post injury at Tennessee. And he we did. talked about this. It's it's odd that he would look at have his best game and look as sharp as coming off that injury in his first game back and then and then kind of tail off from there a couple of, a couple of games uh he he looked like he was really struggling so uh that's a head scratcher for me but certainly against Tennessee he didn't look the worst for wear no no he didn't i agree uh, you know three for 450 plus now that is Tennessee we just saw Spencer yeah. Rattler go for 400 plus <laughs> We saw Anthony Richardson go for yeah. 450 plus. Yeah, that's Tennessee we're talking yeah. about. Got to got to remember that, right? Yeah. Visibly yeah. more zip on the ball though, I think in that game for instance versus I think it was Miss, it was clear uh, that there was not a lot of zip there. So, LSU uh, certainly, yeah. uh, uh, certainly something to watch when yeah. uh, uh, was LSU um, but one of those two games, I felt like his 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 velocity was was down more than others. 
at any rate, the Talk of Tide podcast moving on. We're going to thank a couple of sponsors for you really quickly. We're going to start. And that great dental care you can get from Dr. Jack Smalley and his fantastic staff of dental hygienists. Convenient location right off of Watermelon Road at 1100 Fairfax Park, doing all kinds of dental work, pediatric dentistry, laser dentistry, porcelain veneers, endodontics, dentures. They do it all. The teeth whitening services, very popular. And of course, they'll do Botox and Juvederm treatments as well to tighten up those facial features. The phone number 752-3506, or you can make an appointment at NorthRiverDentist.com. It is North River Dental Associates. Gonna tell you about Peter Brook Chocolates here out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. I was reminded today that Peter Brook, of course, can do those custom chocolate footballs for you because Peter Brook Chocolates here got an order for 50 of them uh, for oh. next week, those chocolate footballs. So very appreciative of the interest, and you can get your own right there at Peter Brook Chocolates here. 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa still taking those Christmas orders. Thanksgiving, of course, upon us now, but Christmas 205-752-0211. They can get you taken care of with that Christmas order. Peterbrook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. All right, finally going to tell you about our corporate sponsor. That would be DraftKings. You got to get on board with the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Uh, you absolutely can't beat it for exciting NFL action. DraftKings Sportsbook, of course, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. And some unbeatable offers right now. New customers can make any $5 NFL bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on the stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day all season long at the DraftKings Sportsbook. So download that app now. Use the promo code TPPN and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Place a $5 bet on any football game. Uh, and you can get that $200 in free bets if you win only at the DraftKings Sportsbook using co promo code TPPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Travis, a lot to get into. Of course, it's rivalry week, uh, so uh, more than a couple games to hit on for us. Some big ones. One of my favorites, I never miss it, the Egg Bowl on Thanksgiving night. This one's at Ole Miss. Mike Leach, 0-2 in Egg Bowls thus far. Travis, Ole Miss. Uh, kind of the arrow on Ole Miss for me anyway is kind of pointing down a little bit, especially after that loss against Arkansas. Um, what do you think? Can Mississippi State pull this thing off on the road or no? I, I think it's in terms of how the team's set up, I think it's the best chance Leach has had to this point going into his third Egg Bowl. The game, though, is being played in Oxford. You wonder how much of that advantage for Ole Miss might be dampened by so much of the Lane Kiffin talk and what a lot of people are anticipating for him after this game is played. So uh, could that be a buzzkill for that home crowd on a Thanksgiving night? Um, yeah, I, I, I think the game comes down to this for Mississippi State. and Everybody will talk about Will Rogers, and obviously he's critical as much as they throw the football, but – I think the running backs for Mississippi State, Dylan Johnson, Woody Marks, look at their scrimmage yardage totals when this one's over. And I think that'll give you a good idea uh, of how this game played out because 
State, of course, with the way they go about their business offensively, they're not going to have a Rocket Sanders like last week who goes for over 200 yards for Arkansas like he did against that Ole Miss defense. But between running it and catching it, uh, they're capable of putting up some big numbers. Is the DK is the DK Metcalf dog pee touchdown celebration the best <laughs> troll celebration ever? In that was Elijah. Football? Wasn't that Elijah Moore? No, nah, well, Moore did it, but he was but it was Metcalf. Oh, okay, right, yeah, right. But Moore got called for it. Yeah. <laughs> that basically ended the it. Second guy Matt always Luke. gets caught, right? Matt Luke, uh, the Matt Luke game. Um, yeah. That yeah, that wild. one. That one would definitely be up there. <laughs> Florida at Florida State, a series uh, you and I are quite familiar with. Travis having grown up, both of us in Jacksonville, Florida. Florida State's had a, a better year than those Gates. They got this one at home in Tallahassee, Florida. Obviously, reeling after this embarrassing loss to Vanderbilt. Where does uh, where does this one stand? I got to go with Florida State, and that's saying something because this has been all about Florida of late in this series. So um, I think Florida's capable of winning in Tallahassee. That's not the pit at all that it once was. But Mike Norvell's got that thing apparently headed in a pretty good direction, and um, it sets up for Florida State to to get the job done. I just, you know, with Florida, you just – you wonder week to week. Anthony Richardson threw for 400 yards last week against Vanderbilt. Typically, if that happens, you feel pretty good about their chances. Um, but at their core, they are a team that wants to run the football. I think Florida State can hang in there well enough defensively with that. And then Florida defensively is uh, better against Vanderbilt. Had some things go against them in the other couple of phases of the game that, that hurt Florida. But uh, I'm going to go with the Knowles at home. Two more. Uh, These two uh, with a little bit more of a heavy favorite. South Carolina is at Clemson. The Gamecocks looking to maintain that momentum after the upset of Tennessee. And Tennessee, the aforementioned Tennessee, on the road at Vanderbilt, which, of course, uh, just knocked off Florida, as we said. And Tennessee without Hendon Hooker. Uh, Do South Carolina or Vanderbilt have a shot in either of these? Wow. Here, I guess the question could be, which of the two have the better shot? Vanderbilt has the best shot. Vanderbilt or South Carolina? Man, I don't trust South Carolina. They they have had a tendency to play well and then follow it up with, with not playing so well. So even right. with that win over Tennessee, I'm a little hesitant to kind of take the bait, especially with Spencer Rattler. I mean, think about the last time we saw South Carolina on the road. It was just the week before Tennessee, and they got hammered by the Florida Gators. So I don't like either team's chances. Um, I think if, you know, Vanderbilt going up against a backup quarterback, uh, that would seem attractive. But, you know, Joe Milton has played a good bit in the past for Tennessee. Um, I think Vanderbilt's South have to run the heck out. Of it. Yeah, you, Ray you Davis is going to have to have a huge run game. the hell out of it to beat Alabama. Yeah. Vandy will have to run the hell out of it to beat Tennessee. And they can, and and you know they got a quarterback that that can run it, Mike Wright. But um, hmm. I, I would say of those two, I would go. I'd probably go with Vanderbilt as the more chance. likely. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. What about you? I think Vanderbilt too. I, yeah. I think Vanderbilt too. I, and I wouldn't. I'd be going with South Carolina if Hooker was okay. 
Uh, right. There, yeah. Vanderbilt, the quarterback situation. You know, sure. Ten, yeah. And, and, and as you stipulated, neither of these teams have a good shot. Uh, but if and I you know Clemson's playing for the Clemson's playing for their college football playoff life too. They you are. know, I mean, they're they and, and I guess you could make a very minuscule argument for Tennessee in that regard now with two losses, but Clemson absolutely is. And I know that Alabama's ahead of Clemson in the latest CFP, but if Clemson wins Saturday and then wins its conference championship game, right. I, I'd be shocked if Clemson wasn't ahead of Alabama when we get to selection Sunday doesn't mean they'll make the four, but I would see them in ahead of Alabama. The selection committee has, has shown us time and again that they'd rather have a conference champ, uh, over, a and they'd rather have a conference champ. Over and it's Clemson. That might be better. Yeah. If it was North Carolina, 12 and one or wake forest, 12 and one, it's a different deal. But Clemson is a brand at this point. Yeah on the national level it clemson right. resonates not like alabama but you know top four or five program in the country we'll know a lot more uh about uh how that playoff might shake out when uh, this weekend's games are in the books no doubt about it this podcast is in the books for travis ryer of bamaonline.com i'm chase goodbread of the tuscaloosa news Join us on Sunday night when we recap the Iron Bowl. Looking forward to that. Uh, We'll see you next time right here on Talking Tide.